Well, hello there. This is Diamir Rose D'Agostino with another episode of Elemental Whispers podcast. Today, I have recorded an episode for you with a special guest, Courtney Faylong, who I will be introducing formally in just a little bit. First, I want to give you a few updates, bulletins, announcements, and let you know First and foremost, the Elemental Whispers Essence Store has been reopened. We are back from our long winter's nap, and so if you haven't had a chance to check that out, it has been reinvigorated, it has been shifted and changed, and the essences have been pared down from over 40 essences to 15. So the, my hope with this is that in having a much more condensed essence collection that will be available year round for purchase. This will help people really focus and really tune in to what medicine songs are calling to you from the essences. And what I mean is sometimes when we have so many options, especially if we are just starting out working with these sacred vibrational medicines, we may not really know which one is the best for us. You can select essences intuitively. You just have to trust yourself. And I feel that giving you a smaller, tighter, more refined selection is going to really help with that. These essences are a combination of what were the four original collections that I had. And so there are dragons. There are elven and fairy energies. There are trees and flowers and some sacred places. Throughout the year, I will be offering opportunities to connect and work with other essences, but they'll be within the context of guided journeys and group containers and any other creative, magical way that comes forward to share these sacred medicines with you. So that is a very exciting piece. And then the other one, if you are on my email list, then you know I have opened up my calendar for one-on-one sessions, working in a very specific way with your astrology chart. And I'm calling them New Avalon Oracle sessions or New Avalon astrology sessions. And the reason is these are grounded in your natal chart. So we're looking at the astrological energies for you and for your way ahead. However, I also journey you into the heart of New Avalon to be held in the forest and in an inner world temple here while we have our session. So it is really this multidimensional experience. And of course, just based on my own experience and way that I work, I am grounding what I'm sharing with you in the chart and our experience in the chart while at the same time weaving in all of the wisdom streams that are pouring in to support you. So working with your guardians, guides, and allies, mine as well, that come forward to spin and weave in this sacred dance of holy illumination. Also weaving in different intuitive insights 
and psychic and clairvoyant information that pours into the sacred space that we create together. After we complete our session, I weave you a customized essence potion that I then send to you that you get to work with for the month ahead. This essence potion is such a beautiful and important element because it allows you to integrate the energies that came forward during that session in a way that is supportive for your soul's growth and journey at this time. It also helps you begin to move forward with those energies that we talked about. And then a special added bonus or gift is that you can continue to journey and sit within the inner temple of New Avalon during this time period of four to six weeks as you work with your essence potion formula. So it's this multi-dimensional and multi-prong approach to really support you on your path ahead to feel clear, to feel affirmed, sometimes to have somebody witness and reflect your deepest truth that you already knew deep within yourself. But reflecting that to you and feeling that wash over you is somehow this reverberating holographic magical moment that feels like an embrace from the universe that lets you know you got this. You're not alone. And here are some tools. Here are some insights for how you can navigate the energies that are arising within you and in your world. So these are only being offered at this time if you are on my email list. However, I am enjoying working with you all in this way so much that I feel this may become a regular offering. And so keep an eye out because soon I think I will add this to my website and it'll just be available under offerings as one-on-one work. So I want to welcome you to Aquarius season. I want to wish you a happy new moon and new lunar cycle. And this new moon in Aquarius is also lunar Imbolc. Imbolc is one of the eight high holy days that connect us to the dance between the sun and the earth. So as we trace the sun's journey of growing light and then decreasing light, we experience these gateways or portals that I call high holy days. And of course, many people are familiar with the two equinoxes and the two solstices. Those are four of the eight high holy days and they form a cross if you were to plot them along the wheel of the year. In between each of those, there is a cross quarter point, but there usually is a portal of time. It's a window. It's not a point. These windows 
So for in bulk, that begins on the new moon in Aquarius. And then of course that portal will extend to when the sun is at 15 degrees of Aquarius. And in bulk is the time of year where we have that beautiful initial spark of light that is said to begin to melt the snow and ice that is perhaps on the ground, begin to melt the snow and ice that has kind of filled our consciousness and allowed us to tuck in and hibernate for a long winter's nap. This is the creative spark of inspiration. And of course, we have the modern day holiday here in the United States of Groundhog Day, but that actually connects to much more ancient indigenous traditions that felt that the badger or the bear or any number of these other creatures, in this case a groundhog, that tend to burrow in for the winter. It was said that if they emerged and they saw their shadow, then that would have meant that they had not wrestled and integrated the shadow enough during their underworld journey, which we consider the winter time a time for that deepening into the dream time, the underworld, the inner world of our own beings and of spirit. So that shadow is inviting us to come into harmony with it. And the way that it was determined and measured, if we had done that, if we had done our shadow work enough to be able to face the light and move forward in our lives, then we would not see the shadow as we emerge. And so that's where that tradition comes from, which I feel is so, so beautiful. And then something else that I really love is the other animal this particular High Holy Day is connected to is the serpent. These beings too were said to rise from the ground around this time. And so the idea was that you wanted to be able to witness the serpent rising. To me, this is just this beautiful image that evokes the idea of energy, the kundalini, the creative life force fire rising from the ground. Brigid is one of the goddesses connected to this time, to the time of Imbolc. Obviously, I'm speaking from a Celtic perspective, but she was a goddess that most know as being connected to the cow, but she was also connected to the swan and the serpent. And I'm bringing forward Bridget because, as I said, she is the goddess that governs this time period, this gateway or portal of energy, this breaking free of the light and fire into the earth and within ourselves. It's that fire of inspiration that is kindled after we have dreamed the dream of winter for a good long time period. Now, Bridget has always been connected to fire and that fire 
is the fire of creative inspiration, but it is and was also the fire of smith working, and it is also the fire of the hearth within the home. It is also connected to the fire of healing. And I think of healing as that inner life force within that beautiful, sacred, sexual energy that rises up from within us, that is also rising in the earth. The earth has her own energy system, her own kundalini life force energy that was at one point a very sacred practice to come into deep relationship with the earth's sexual life force energy. So why am I bringing forward all of these pieces together? Well, aside from the fact that we are an invoke, but also this is a perfect way to introduce my beautiful guest today, Courtney Fay Long. Courtney Fay Long is the creator of Mariposa Sacred Sexuality and the Four Step Glow System. She is an international speaker and best selling author who has been teaching for 24 years with 14 years as a sexuality educator. Courtney holds a master's degree in social work and a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Michigan. She is also a certified hypnotherapist, certified transformational life coach, spiritual coach, Reiki master energy healer, intuitive, and neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. She specializes in helping women who are highly sexual, highly sensitive, and highly spiritual to light their sexual fire and embody their glow so they can be highly abundant and up-level their business, career, love life, sex life, and money flow. Courtney resides in Scottsdale, Arizona. She has an online school certification program and teaches in-person retreats. And I will link to all the ways you can connect to her in the show notes. We had a gorgeous multidimensional conversation that spanned topics like living with fairy energy, living as an embodied fairy human being on earth at this time. We explored what it is like to teach and share about quote-unquote taboo topics, topics that have been deemed edgy or even in some cases forbidden in our culture. We talk about stepping out into what is true for us, having that courage to express our authentic, unique, expression. And we talk about the really eye-opening and surprising for me connection between fairy and sacred sexuality. Courtney and I have been friends for a number of years, and I have never thought about the connection between these two energies and topics in the way that I began to while talking with Courtney. Personally, I think There could not have been a better conversation to kick off this time of the year to spark and inspire our own creative life force and help us attune with that beautiful, sacred, sexual energy that allows us 
to create, to be inspired, and to thrive. Courtney Faye Long, who I want to welcome with open arms and a big hug and a big heart (laughs) to the podcast today. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Diamira. I feel so honored and blessed to be here and I'm so excited for our conversation. I am too. And Courtney and I were in conversation. We actually have a Vox thread going. Uh, She and I meet regularly, probably once a month. And we have been meeting since almost 2018. And we'll talk about how we met in just a moment. But we have this Vox thread going where we talk and chat and do voice notes to each other in between our monthly Zoom meetings. And we were having this really beautiful and deep conversation as per usual. (laughs) And it was so rich and so, so nuanced in its rewards and what it really meant for both me and some of the things that I've been journeying with lately. And then also I think that it is really relevant to what humanity is journeying. So that's kind of where the idea came to bring the conversation here onto the podcast and explore it really deeply together. But before we dive into that particular conversation, which I will just drop a little seed around what it is about, it began with trees. And it was prompted because I witnessed the destruction of some trees. And that led us on this really amazing journey talking about all of the implications of disaster, man-made, human-made, what our relationship as humans who are working in communication with the spirits of the land, what, what that means for us, and what it invites us to get clear about within ourselves uh, and as well as what kind of actions we can take. So all of this is what we are going to be having in store for you all later. But before we do, I want to introduce you to Courtney the way that I know her. So Courtney and I met in 2018. And we met because both of us were invited to be speakers and presenters at the 2018 Fairy Congress, which is a beautiful event that was held annually out in the Pacific Northwest of the U.S., And it brought together speakers and presenters from all over to share about the fairy mysteries, to share about working with the realms of fairy, she, the elemental forces, and the spirits of Gaia and the earth. So Courtney and I both were presenters. We did not know each other before this at all. We'd never met. And in fact, I was living here where I am now on the East Coast in Virginia, and Courtney was living in Phoenix, Arizona. The Congress actually will pair presenters so that they can carpool with somebody that actually has a vehicle and is driving because the location where the event used to be held was actually quite a bit 
away from Seattle. I don't know if it was a few, it was several hours drive. And so you really needed a car to get there. And this was just a way to, you know, reduce cars going back and forth and also reduce costs and those sorts of things. So they paired Courtney and I with another person who was attending, but not a presenter. So the first time Courtney and I connected, we had a phone conversation to just talk logistics, coordinate, you know, where we were going to meet, this, that, and the other. And her effervescent, (laughs) joyful laughter just spilled over into the phone, (laughs) into my whole space. I remember I was standing in the kitchen and talking to her on the phone and her whole energy just sort of expanded across the whole United States. That's how I felt it. And it just came over and washed us in this golden light, which is why I started before we came on. Courtney and I did uh, an invocation and I led us in this prayer that connected us to each other with this golden light. And it was because it reminded me of the very first time I talked to her. So that was the first time we connected. And then we both flew in to Seattle and we ended up connecting, I believe the day before Courtney, you have to correct me if I'm wrong in any of these details, but we met the day before the event started and we ended up going out to eat and I mean, I fell in love with her. (laughs) (laughs) Not only did we obviously get along because our work in a lot of ways was very much dialed into the same realms, but also because we both were very committed to our work in the world and to having these businesses that actually were able to be these mechanisms that brought our work forward and into the world. And so we were able to talk about business, conscious business, and we were able to talk about working in the ways that we both do. And so we just got on perfectly. And then the next day, we met our third... Our third part of our family that we came to call ourselves. And he was going to be the driver, but he became so much more. He became a dear friend for that period of time. And we just had the best car ride ever, connecting with one another, getting to know each other. Then, of course, got to the Congress. We settled in and we did our thing. You know, we each had separate timeframes that we were going to be presenting at. It's an event that takes place over three, four, five days. It is such a beautiful, beautiful gathering of people all coming together with this intent of connecting and helping other people connect with the sacred spiritual forces of Gaia. So yeah, Courtney and I literally just hit it off. And then we've had quite a couple of adventures since then. I want to hear your perspective and if I left anything out about how we met. <laughs> well, I love your retelling of our of our grand meeting. And oh my gosh, I just remember I fell in love with you, Diamira, right away. And yeah, I, and I just felt that kindred spirit um, knowing right away. And just and what I love so much is I felt the soul connection and also so much alignment of our businesses and our work in the world. And I was like, oh, this woman is so cool. <laughs> She's so, so powerful and also just so, so cool and fun to be with. 
and yeah, we had just such a fun dinner and such a fun car ride with our other, with our third family member. And yeah, it was just quite an adventure. And many, many times Diamira and I have said, we know why we went to that fairy Congress. It was to meet one another. Yes, you are so right. I, I still firmly believe to this day that my greatest gift that I received from that experience was and is you. So I will be forever grateful to Fairy Congress and to Lindsay for bringing us together (laughs) and creating this lifelong friendship. And obviously, I very much feel like you said, kindred spirits and like I've known you for so many lifetimes. And um, that is, you know, it's interesting because as I'm reflecting, even right now in real time, I'm thinking, oh, how interesting what we each taught, meaning our topics that we presented on each of us at the Congress that year, because, well, first of all, you didn't just used to work deeply with fairy and angelic energies, but you also, like me, felt and experience yourself as fairy. Is that a correct statement? Yes, exactly. Yes, I feel I experience myself as fairy and feel such deep, deep fairy energy um, within my being, within my soul. And the, the topic I was speaking on at Fairy Congress was about living as a real life fairy and how to know if you are a fairy soul. Yes, so, and that's why I am just, I have this big smile on my face right now because I'm thinking that, oh my goodness, like you were so, to me, so brave to be so out there with that because as much as I had been teaching about fairy for 10 plus years, the one piece that I always held back that I almost never shared, certainly not publicly, was the fact that I was fairy. And I always just would leave that out or would make it a (laughs) non-statement or just never go into it. I, I never shared about it. And it wasn't until... I think a couple years after we met that I finally came out of the fairy closet, so to speak, and I began sharing more openly. And of course, you know, last year I re- released the book, which was about my fairy soul awakening. And so I, I'm just really moved in this moment because and struck because I'm just thinking again, how much our like our journeys are so unique and so very different. And yet how similar, how similar some of our energetics and deep, deep soul frequency is. And I feel like maybe like that's why we resonate is because of that deep, deep fairy connection from maybe very, very long ago, which I don't think that you and I have ever really explored like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Absolutely. Yeah. No, we haven't. And it feels, it does, it feels so deep and so ancient. And yeah, definitely would be fun to explore even more. (laughs) I know. I'm like, how did I forget that you, that you taught about that at Fairy Congress? Like this is, again, I don't know if I'm impressing this to either you or the people who are listening, but I actually didn't think about 
the topic of presentation until just now we're talking about it. And now I'm thinking about it and I'm just, I'm like having that moment of, oh my God, it feels somehow like a full circle moment of, yeah, you, uh, you teaching about that. And now I'm like coming out <laughs> about that, so to speak. So before I mention, cause this is the other interesting full circle moment, I taught two classes. One was the Holy Grail. And then the second one was Mysteries of the Trees. And of course, this conversation that we're having today was brought to you, <laughs> brought to all of you by the trees. <laughs> like They got us together. <laughs> wow. So I'm just... <laughs> This right? Is, I mean, yeah, this, like this is. connection is happening in real time. Like fairy magic is happening in real time because I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is because I attended your workshop about the trees and I was blown away. I, I've, I've always felt a deep affinity for tree, trees and I've always, you know, touched them and communed with them in many ways. But you taught me things I didn't know. Like I did not know that trees are multidimensional. And I did not know that they connect with one another on multiple planes and dimensions. And there's just so much. I mean, so yeah, isn't that interesting? We both inspired one another with our topics. And here we are years later, still being um, pulled forth by these topics of being a fairy soul and you coming out with your book recently about your fairy soul awakening. And then here we are also um, talking about the trees. The trees brought us to this podcast today. <laughs> they did. And people, are, they're probably like, okay, well, I want to hear about the trees. And I'm like, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Um, so Courtney and I, again, we talk all the time, but so often we are sharing specifically about our work in the world, evolving and changing and shifting and growing with our work that I actually feel like I have never really had you in my sacred corner where I get to ask you these things <laughs> that I'm realizing, oh, I, I have never actually asked her this. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to tell me and everyone, what is that energy or feeling, you know, the way that you connect and identify as fairy? I would love for you to just share, tell me about what that's like for you. Like, what was the first time or the first moment that you understood, oh my God, I'm fairy. And what was that like? Yeah, the the energetics, the main energy for me is joy. This deep, deeply felt joy that it's not like there's the giddiness of being really excited. It's this joy that is pervasive in every cell of my being, almost as a like the foundation of joy. So that is the most important. If I just had to put one word to the energetic of being fairy, it's the embodiment of joy <laughs> and also the fairy magic, the creativity, the, the seeing the world through a more magical lens and also through the lens of possibility. Whereas I see so many humans see limitation and, and we've been programmed as humans to see limitation to um, just to really be in this vibration of fear and lack and limitation. Whereas fairy magic brings in openness and open heartedness. And there's always a magical solution. <laughs> so if it's like, well, you know, someone might say, Oh, I have two choices, choice A and choice B. 
a fairy soul will come in and be like, no, you don't. You have choice C, D, E, F. You know, you have so many choices. There's so many wonderful possibilities. There's this really high level of creativity that I feel comes in from the fairy realms, as well as a sassiness, uh, a feistiness. Uh, there's, I mean, something that Diamira often talks about is how fairy, the energy of fairies, powerful. It's not just the way that many people have depicted fairies like Tinkerbell that just like flutter around and they're little and petite and sweet. And it's like fairies are very, very powerful and can also shape shift into multiple different sizes. And so there's something about that power too. And and I have always had a bit of a feisty side, even dare I say, um, uh, like an angry side, just which is, is, it took me a while to learn how to yield that. And it's it's more of the that fire fairy, the like yielding my inner fire and passion. Um, and, and so the moment that I actually really first understood myself as fairy, I, I was actually at a, a workshop. I was at a beautiful angel training in Hawaii. And we were discussing how people can be these different souls, uh, you know, an incarnated angel, an incarnated wise one, sorcerer, wizard, an incarnated star being, an incarnated elemental or fairy. And it was like, all oh, these light bulbs just went off and like the clouds parted. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am fairy. And, <laughs> and it was, it was really interesting. And I mean, gosh, that was, I want to say 12 years ago now, and I feel like I'm still in a process of discovery. Every year I get a deeper understanding of what it means to be fairy. Um, and, and, and I'll talk a little bit too about the, the connection with sexuality and being fairy too. But it's like, it's still a discovery process every single day. Many things struck me about what you just said. And I don't think I've never heard you talk about it in the fullness of how you just described it. And one of those pieces that I am really, really just in this moment feeling so deeply identified with is the way that you talked about seeing the multiple possibilities for for any moment in time or any person. Like you compared it to seeing they see possibility A or B and you're like, no, but there's C, D, E, F, and G. And I have often felt this experience of being almost in this multifaceted prism, like a rainbow prism, a, a holographic field where I can view almost the way insects in the movies, how they show us how insects see with all those little windows, um, like their eyes have all those little facets. I feel that sometimes that's how I'm seeing the world. And I don't walk around seeing that. Like I don't walk around unfocused and seeing a thousand different windows into my own soul at any given moment. That would be really distracting. But in moments, of time, especially in moments of stillness or when I'm working with a client, I can actually anchor into that, I call it the web of weird or the 
the seat of the oracle and open into those different holographic windows, the, that prism, that rainbow prism that just ignites all around me. And I can peer in and see these multiple pathways or possibilities. And I also feel like that's what the essences can do is they unlock these multiple pathways within people, like pathways that exist, but perhaps they were dormant or somebody wasn't able to see them. And so it's like, I feel one of the gifts of fairy for humanity. And this is whether like we work, you know, you and I work with clients, obviously, and students and work with people in this capacity, but anybody that has this ability to be able to hold another human. And it's not about necessarily telling them <laughs> what their path is, because that's not ours to do, but to hold them in the potentiality of their soul can be so healing and so confirming and so empowering, like to hold with certainty somebody in the potentiality of their soul. And I just, I feel like when you were saying that, like, that's kind of what you were speaking to is holding, being able to like see that prism of, you know, those windows of, of potentiality. Is that how you experience it at all? Or can you identify with it the way that I'm sharing it? Yeah, absolutely. I would have never thought to describe it that way. That's the beauty and brilliance of, of our weaving together. <laughs> and, and yes, I it, exactly what you said that really resonates with me and this, through this rainbow prism. And, and, and I, I mean, I often feel like the way I see the world is very complex, very multidimensional. I mean, sometimes I even hear myself saying contradictory things in, in within the space of moments because it's all true. It's, it's that we're, I think we're all evolving to as well as the both and, not the this or that, but the this and that and that and that. And yeah, and absolutely the rainbow. I mean, I feel the rainbow connection with fairy. The, the, I often see fairy beings riding in on rainbow light, rainbow light frequencies. And it's, again, it's about that multi-dimensionality. And yeah, and I love what you said too about the, the seeing the possibilities for our soul. And really, it's, it's about living as our soul, whether, you know, for those listening, it's like whether you are a fairy soul, whether you you don't know exactly your soul origins, but you just want to live more soulfully. It's really about lighting up from deep within because our, our souls are pure light. And so when we're really living from our soul, we, we glow, we radiate, we shine so brightly. Yeah. And so I curious if you want to elaborate a little bit on that, because when you were talking earlier, again, about the fairy experience and then possibly even experiencing yourself as that fire fairy energy, a fairy being very connected to the element of fire. I'm curious if you feel like that has played a role in your recent evolution in your work. Yeah, just whatever you want to share. I think you know where I'm going, but I'll let you kind of use your creativity to <laughs> share in whatever way you want to. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yes. Well, for many years, I taught about angels, about the angelic realms. And then also over time, I started teaching about the fairy realms and leading meditations, guided meditation journeys into the fairy realms and with rainbow light activations. And as I was teaching about the angels and then the fairies for many years, behind the scenes, 
I was actually practicing sacred sexuality as a, a personal passion of mine that I thought I would never share publicly, <laughs> but here I am sharing it publicly. And over time, the more I connected with the fairy beings, the more I was being drawn into the realm of sexuality. And then I started understanding how our sexual energy, it's so much more than what we have been led to believe. And as I've been teaching now, I've been teaching about sacred sexuality for four or five years now. And so many people I talk to think, oh yeah, sexual energy, that's, that's what we use when we have sex, when we make love to our partner, or you know, if we're by ourselves, that's what we use when we're maybe self-pleasuring solo by ourselves. And that is absolutely accurate, except that the sexual energy is actually our creative life force energy. It's our creation energy. It's what we use to create with. Whether someone is a parent and they have created a baby, <laughs> created life with this amazing creative energy, or we can utilize that sexual creative energy to create classes, you know, for those who are teachers or books for those who are writers or art, music, any kind of project. We can channel our creative life force or sexual energy into our divine creations in the world. And so the fairies and the angels were leading me to explore sacred sexuality and then to start teaching it. And what I really found fascinating was that the fairies showed me that our sexual energy is so natural that it's so much a part of our essence. It's like I said, it's not just about having sex, but our sexual energy is it's meant to flow through our bodies at all times. And, and for most people, we have our sexual energy kind of lying dormant, almost like a, a dormant volcano at our root chakra, right around our sacred genitals. And for most people, like even when they engage in sexual pleasure, they feel a lot of pleasure in, in that area, in the genital area, in the root chakra. Yet ideally, when we work with our sexual fire, and I'll share a little bit more about that too, we learn how to cultivate this fire energy from our root chakra and move it up the entire body so that it actually fills our body all the way to the crown chakra, all the way out into our energy field, that it, it fills our body with this radiant light that essentially is the light of our soul. Because our, our like I said, our sexual energy is our creation energy. But another way I like to say it is that our sexual energy is our soul essence flowing through the physical body. So, so not only is sexual, or se I'll say it this way, not only is sexuality spiritual, but our sexual energy is our soul essence flowing through the physical body and the energy field. So it's, it's really mind blowing the, the more I um, really explore this. And, and, and one thing I wanted to say about the fairies is that the fairies are so sexual. And I'm talking about the fairies in the fairy realms, the ones who have not chosen to take on human bodies. The fairies are so sexual that they greet each other with their sexual energy. You know, like we humans might greet each other or meet someone new and say, oh, hello, how are you? And maybe we give a handshake or a wave or something like this. Um, and then if there's someone we know well, we might hug them or maybe a kiss on the cheek or kiss on the lips, depending on the relationship, that kind of thing. But the fairies, when they greet one another, they connect completely, they connect their energy fields, they swirl around each other in this sacred dance 
that we would consider, oh my gosh, they're making love. And that's how they're saying hello, even to a stranger. <laughs> but what they're doing is they're just exchanging their life force energy and they're just saying, oh, hello, let me feel you and I'll let you feel me. And let's just be in this joyful space of sensation and feeling together. And it's, it's not, it's not the way that we humans have, have made it. So they just exchange energy with their energy fields. It's not with genitals like we humans use. <laughs> but anyway, the fairies have really expanded my understanding of sexual energy and how we can utilize it. Um, yeah, and, and it's just, it's really quite fascinating. I am thinking as you're describing this, of course, the way that you and I tend to interact is in this um, multi-dimensional way where I, when you're speaking, I'm often seeing pictures and images coming through. It's, <laughs> we transmit to each other back and forth. <laughs> um, as you were sharing, you know, you were talking about the sacred dance and the greeting and the way that fairy beings greet and interact with each other with this sexual energy. And I was reminded about this, what I called the serpent or the sacred dragon dance that I was, I don't even want to say taught. It was like, it was a remembrance that came through my body. I think I actually just shared this in a recent episode I did, The Dragons Are Coming, which I'll link to it. But I was invited to come out into the circle in my you know, right in front of the forest behind my home. And all of the beings of New Avalon were gathered round and this visitor had arrived and had this message. And he brought this message and deposited this transmission in the Well of Light, which is this sacred site that exists on the inner planes that you can access here in this land. And from the Well of Light rose this diamond um, jewel that everyone here was able to peer into and receive the transmission or energy or reflection that was right and perfect for their soul at that time. So like all the beings peered in and, and received what was needed, including myself. And when I did that, I received this energetic activation and it was completely nonverbal. There were no words that was not a message that came forward auditorily or anything like that. It rose up from the deepest place within my being down starting in the, what I consider my earth star chakra, and then rose up through me into my root chakra, all through the different chakra, and then began to spill over. And it rose up like a serpent, obviously, like that beautiful kundalini it was almost actually responding to my own kundalini energy. And then through this movement, this energetic movement, this rising of this energy that moved through me, I began to move in spontaneous sacred dance. This dance was very sexual. This dance was very, I mean, what we would call sexual if we were to view it. This dance was very sensual and connected to and I just began to move. I was kneeling when this energy came through me. First, I was kneeling on the cold moss because this was around the December last year's solstice. And so it was cold and I'm kneeling on the cold moss and this energy is rising up and I'm just moving in these 
undulations and waveforms and and my whole body was being rocked with this energy this extraordinary and profound life force energy that it was my own energy but it was also something ancient that was coming up from the earth and dancing with me in it, it was like there was a dance between this ancient energy and myself and then i noticed that other beings and the dragons included, but other beings were dancing as well. And each being seemed to be dancing within their own dance. And it was like the dance was some sort of communication between us and the heart womb of the earth. And there was just this beautiful um, conversation happening between these ancient energies and the energies that were present. And yet again, it was so nonverbal. Like I came away from that experience, not having any ability to put what I understood into words. So as you were sharing about this sacred dance, like that was the image that came to me. Wow. That is so incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you were really clarifying and I really felt this point being put on it. It's like so often we put sexual energy into this box of what we deem as sexual, but sexual energy is like all of life. Without it, life wouldn't exist. I mean, it's almost like, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm going to go out on a limb and say, it's almost like humans are the only ones that seem to want to put sex in a box <laughs> and make it into, okay, sex is this one topic that's over here where all of the rest of life, I feel that they just embody sexual energy, like sexual energy flows through nature. It is nature. I'm wondering, what do you think is the relationship between opening back into, like coming back into relationship with the sexual energy, the way that nature is in relationship with it? And what is the connection between that and healing our relationship with the earth? Is there a connection? Absolutely. There's such a deep connection. And, and part of it is coming into the naturalness of our own sexual expression and because like you said, humans are the only ones that put this, try to put this in a box. And we've had so many hangups around sex just throughout centuries of this, especially from religious programming of, of making sex wrong, you know, unless it's done in a specific way, um, you know, within marriage for the purpose of procreation. And there's just been so many really harmful messages that have taught us to fear our sexual energy and certainly not just fear but also shame just feeling bad about ourselves for being sexual or for having sexual desire or shame around masturbation around self-pleasure shame for wanting to make love i mean there's there's all kinds of things you know that 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 we deal with as humans on a subconscious level the guilt the shame fear of our own sexual energy which relates to fear of our own power, fear of that fiery passion within us. It's like fear, it's almost fear of our own ability to create. Because if we create, if we follow our soul and follow our sexual energy and follow our deepest desires, we are going to create things that are from beyond this realm, from beyond this world. We're gonna be in our power and we're not going to 
um, be controllable. We're not going to be able to follow the masses and just do what we're supposed to do, what, you know, kind of the powers that be want us to do. We're going to actually really think for ourselves and create and express and fully be in our power. And so, so part of this is just about connect, reconnecting with our own body. And as we reconnect with our own body and feel the naturalness of our sexual energy and the naturalness of our sexual desire, it really is about returning to the earth, returning to our naturalness. And, and what's coming to me is the connection that even our bodies have with the elements of the earth. That if you think of our physical body as more of the earth substance, then we've got water water flowing through our body, like the waterfalls or the rivers or the oceans. We've got so much water in every cell of our body. And I mean, I read, you know, that the human body is anywhere from 75% to 85% water. And then thinking of these connections of these elements to our sexuality as well, then we have our sexual fluids and our wetness as women um, and then ejaculation for those with um, sacred penises. And we have, so we have sexual fluids that relate to the water element in the earth. Then we have our fire, our passion, our inner, the, the arousal, the excitement, that, that desire that comes over us when we are sexually aroused. So that's our fire element. And then we have air element of our breath, which, you know, every day, of course, we're breathing as long as we're alive. <laughs> um, and then when we are feeling turned on, sexually turned on, usually our breath quickens. It's almost like then we add the air to the fire. We stoke our sexual fire and, and breathe more quickly as the passion takes over and we get more and more sexually excited. And so I just, I love thinking of this, how even in our everyday life, our bodies really have all the elements, earth, air, water, fire, ether. And then in our sexual experience, we can also see all of those different elements too. And, and I, I really am kind of tuning into so many people love to be in nature, right? And for many good reasons, just the sunshine, the vitamin D, really tuning into the heartbeat of Gaia and really just nature, I feel, brings us back to ourselves. It takes us out of that chaos of the the monkey mind and the fear in society and just all the scarcity and the lack and the limitation. It's like nature returns us to our power, to our natural state of being. And so, I mean, I really invite those listening to just when you're in nature, just kind of tune into the pulse of earth tune into the sexual energy that's all around you like the bees pollinating the flowers and the the sexual energy feeling even of the ocean if you go to the beach and that ocean waves coming crashing in with passion and going back out to me i can just i can kind of feel the similarities of nature uh, with our sexuality, like the thrusting of, of our bodies together. And, you know, as the ocean waves come in and go out and there's just, there's so many connections in nature, um, volcanoes erupting, waterfalls, you know, the, the water just almost passionately splashing over the edge and like, like going over the edge of an orgasm. And, and one other thing I'll share here is that I really believe that the whole earth was created from 
a giant orgasm. You know, whether you subscribe to the creation theory or to the Big Bang theory, or you have your own theory, <laughs> I think the earth just had this giant orgasm. <laughs> and this was the birth of all creation and, and our sexual energy and orgasms um, have been creating ever since. I hope that nobody who is driving is getting too excited as you're talking about, <laughs> as you're talking about all of this. It's so evocative, you know, and uh, and so sensual in the way that you describe things. I mean, I can see, you know, the waves and the the waters and the eruptions of the volcanoes and the way that you're connecting it to the sexual experience so again <laughs> for anyone who's driving you know stop the car um <laughs> i'll give a little advisory warning maybe in the um intro but i don't think i've ever contemplated it this deeply the connection between the energy of nature and we could and by extension fairy in connection with sexual energy or sexual fire. And what is striking me in this moment is how almost inseparable they are. And also, and in so many ways too, you said this a few minutes back, but one of the things that you mentioned was how sexual exploration in general, our own sexual desire has been demonized. And I think also how much that, that, that sexual energy has that in common with fairy in that how fairy has been demonized. Again, this connection to our power, like when it's all said and done, our sexual energy, however we choose to use it or direct it, that's like even another further conversation or further topic, but even the idea and practice of cultivating sexual energy within ourselves and being in relationship with that inner fire, um, it, it just feels like so, so deeply connected to reclaiming our power. And I often see us opening into and remembering our relationship with fairy, both fairy within us by blood and spirit, but also fairy in the land, and how that is also, to me, a reclamation of our power. And I think about how, you know, the early church has spent so much time, you know, a huge, huge propaganda marketing campaign to really not only demonize, but to what I would call disappear the the fairy beliefs and disappear the people's connection to the earth. There's this, I'm trying to think of the name of the book. I cannot think of the name of the book. If I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. And it was a study on medieval popular culture. And it talked about fairy belief in medieval popular culture. And it it talked about how much fairy belief, not for the clergy and not for the more erudite members of society, but for the masses, how it was so deeply woven into their connection with the land. It was inseparable. And when 
of course, the church tried to, you know, replace those beliefs with different Christian practices. And yet the connection with fairy was so strong that fairy would just end up weaving right into the Christian practices. And in some places that became sort of okay. And it was just kind of left alone, you know, in Ireland, obviously the fairy faith survived even in parts of Scotland, but they talked about how in in this um, expose that I was reading, how the church set forth this incredible uh, smear campaign, if you will, because they saw that the people's own self-confidence, I'm using my own words for this, but self-confidence and own power was derived from this connection. And so what I find fascinating is that there's like two thoughts that are like coming into my head. And one is that with fairy in particular, I have always found it fascinated, fascinating that similar to anything sexual, similar to even the topic of the feminine in general, fairy was demonized, but they took it even a step further. It was so successful of a campaign that fairy, yes, in many ways ended up being demonized, but it wasn't only demonized, it was what I call disappeared. And what I mean is that if you ask most people about fairy today, yes, there is a group, you know, there is definitely a subset of the population, especially people who are perhaps very connected to organized religion that maybe believe that fairy is bad or, you know, the devil. But the large majority of the population just believes that they don't exist. And I'm like, what's worse? What what fate is worse? Is the fate of being demonized worse and just being like the sacred feminine turned into the whore or sex turned into something bad? Is that worse? Or is to strip something and completely remove it somehow? from existence. Is that worse? Is that a worse fate? It was such a successful campaign that people don't even believe that they exist. So anyways, I'm just, I'm struck by that. And I just, you know, kind of went on a musing tangent, but I, where this came from is because I am just really very, very fascinated with the connection that I'm seeing right now, just in this conversation that I don't think I've ever really seen before, which is that connection between fairy and sexuality. And both are pretty much taboo topics in terms of certainly organized religion and even in modern society for different reasons. So yeah, I'm just curious if you want to share anything about what your journey has been with you know, I talked about me coming out of the fairy closet. What has been your journey of coming out of the sacred sexuality closet, so to speak, and sharing about this? What has come up for you around this? Yeah, I love what you just shared, Diamira. That was just so beautiful. And right, it's the, that erasure of fairy and the erasure really of even of our, our sexual power. And, and that's why I, I, as I've been teaching about sacred sexuality, And really the the mission has been to restore the sacredness of our sexuality and and restore people's understanding of it so that they can be in their power and also in their joy because our sexual energies, it's so vital to who we truly are that 
I believe we can't be happy without it, without a deep, deep, profound connection to our sexual energy. and, And even there's studies that actually have indicated that even regular sex, not necessarily sex that someone considers sacred, but just like, you know, people studying people having regular sex once a week or more, um, people rate themselves as happier than people who have sex less frequently. So once a week or more is kind of the magic number that links to increased happiness, which is, is pretty cool. Um, but, but what I would really say is that I have definitely come up against so much opposition, um, particularly energetically because of how bastardized the topic of, of sex has become. And, and even, you know, as I've really, it was such a coming out to my clients to say, okay, well, I've been teaching about angels for years, which seems like such a safe, sweet, innocent topic. And then I'm like, now I'm teaching about sacred sexuality. And, and some of my clients were very resistant. And some of them have definitely, you know, dropped off the email list or just aren't interested in exploring, which is totally fine. And then some of them were unsure and so as the more I explain what I'm talking about, they're like, okay, yeah, I can get with this. Um, and some of them have just been excited from the very beginning. But, but what I notice is that teaching about the angels was so much easier in terms of paving the pathway in society compared to teaching about sacred sexuality because of all of these sexual hangups. And um, it, which is just really, really fascinating because we're coming up against not only our own subconscious blocks, like I mentioned, the shame, the guilt, the fear, our own hangups, but there is this pervasive energetic in society of trying to keep us from our power and trying to keep, um, yeah, almost keep people a bit subdued and away from their deep, deep knowing. So the more of us that are waking up to our soul energy, to fairy, the more of us that are waking up to the naturalness and beauty and sacredness of our sexuality, that is is very, very important to do. It's, of course, very eye-opening, but it's also very threatening to anyone maybe trying to control us. And and so it's it's more important now than ever, really, because it's not just about it's really not just about like being in our power for the sake of being in our power. It's really about weaving the worlds together too. It's about us being more connected to the earth and nurturing Gaia and really nurturing the plants and the trees and the animals and us nurturing ourselves and even bridging the realms. You know, bridging the the gap between humans and fairy or between humans and angels and humans and our higher selves and the dragons the unicorn beings the star beings and it's it's like this the sacred dance that we get to do with the other realms and with our with our own selves and with a partner if we choose to share our sexual energy with a partner Uh, but it really is a sacred dance that we're returning to And it's almost, to me, feels like a joyful celebration. One thing that I did want you to just elaborate on before we go into the trees, you mentioned at the beginning, um, when you were talking, you said the topic of sex or sexual teachings has become, can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. There's, and the first thing that comes to mind is that we're all sexual beings. We are, it's natural for us to be sexual. We all 
are capable of sexual desire. All people of all genders are capable of multiple orgasms, um, although an orgasm is not necessary in, in a sexual experience. It's sometimes a nice bonus or a nice release of energy. But we're all sexual beings, and it's natural for us to be sexual. But women in particular have dealt with a lot around their sexuality. I mean, of course, a lot of sexual abuse and manipulation in that area, as well as slut shaming and, and just name calling uh, this, this general mentality in society that if a woman is sexual or if she's too sexual, that somehow she's a slut or somehow that's wrong. Whereas we've had such a double standard where men are encouraged to be sexual and encouraged to masturbate. And this is such a huge generalization. This doesn't speak for everyone's experience by any means. It's just this sense of women are sexual. Women are actually naturally highly sexual beings and as are men, all genders. And so it's really important for us to just tune into our own sense of self and to what feels natural to us and to not compare or measure that against what we have been taught by anyone external to us, whether it's religion, whether it's parents, school, uh, any kind of teachings. And, and in fact, most people have not had wonderful sexuality teachings to begin with. So there's also quite a, a lack of education um, as well as miseducation out there around sexuality. So yeah, just bastardize in terms of um, the energy of, of sex being seen as dirty, bad, wrong, shameful. Um, in the, yeah, it's just, it's really been out of control. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I totally agree with you 100%. So were you, so when you came out <laughs> and decided that this was really the path, you know, you had been teaching about fairy and angel and, and in that way you were teaching people how to connect with them. Right. And then is that kind of like the, the body of your work, you were teaching people how to connect with these energies and receive guidance from the fairy and angelic realms. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you were, you were doing that. And then when you finally decided to make this pivot, this pivot, and you're like, no, what my soul is really wanting to share is this work around sacred sexuality. And obviously, you said different people responded in different ways, depending on where they were at in their journey. Were you like, what was that moment like where you were like, okay, I'm definitely making this pivot. And it wasn't like you started quote unquote for, you know, those of us who have businesses. It wasn't like you started a new email list or you started like you really just, I think if I'm correct, I think you kept your same website and you kept your same email list. You were just really transparent and like, listen, I'm making this shift in my work in the world is now going to be really focused on sacred sexuality. And you still do do some angel things, right? But you were basically making this shift. What was that moment like for you? Were you terrified? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm projecting my own. I'm like going deep into the moment of how Diamira would feel. Like, yeah, just like, walk me through it. Walk me through um, it. Yeah. Well, I feel it's I was just so you strongly. and me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I was so strongly guided that I felt I had to do it. It's, it's like that's a soul calling. I just absolutely had to start teaching about it. And also I could feel the angels and the fairies guiding me so strongly. And so that that was really beautiful. And And also I just explained to my community that before 
what I was teaching was exactly what you said, how to connect with these energies of the angels and the fairies and how to ask them for guidance and insights. And what became so apparent to me over the last handful of years is that embodiment is where it's at. It's, it's, it was no longer about calling in these beings outside of ourselves and then asking them for advice. It was really about tuning into the sacredness of our own body and really trusting our own intuition. And there was such a transfer of power. I can't remember what year it was, but it was probably about five years ago or so, where in the past, when I would do angel readings, even the angels would give all this advice to people. And then at some point, I would say like, okay, what's for the highest good for this person to do in a reading? And the angels would say, what do they want? Like, you know, what do you want? What, what's your soul guiding you to do? It was like this tr complete transfer of power where it was, it's about us trusting ourselves and really forging our own path. And that comes from being in our bodies and, and really in the sacredness of our sexual fire and feeling that sexual fire in every cell of our body and trusting our own intuition. And so I guess that was part of my journey was I had to trust my own intuition <laughs> to be able to teach this. So yeah, <laughs> definitely moments of fear and moments of especially worry of what will others think. And, and then I had to keep reminding myself and, and continually remind myself, this is a beautiful thing that I'm sharing, even though it's been bastardized and demonized. Well, that's not, I'm not sharing this dark, deep, um, evil energy. I'm sharing something that's so beautiful and full of light and rainbow colors. And it's within each of us and we have a right to it. And that's, that's what I keep reminding myself. And even my clients recently is that we have a right to our own sexual fire. You know, it's, it's, it's our sexual fire. It's in our own body. <laughs> like We have a right to our own body and we have a right to explore our own sexual fire. Well, I am just so proud of you for being so brave. And I mean, I, I know personally, but it, it like, I, it, it's just so amazing to witness you and this journey and to like, I think of my like this as a great privilege and honor to have been a friend by your side as you've made this shift. I loved what you said. It was, yeah, it was so much about you trusting yourself. And of course, you had already done that. You had been trusting your intuition in service to clients and community for so long at this one level. But now it was this next level that you were being guided to step into. And I'm just so proud of you. Like, I know what that must have taken. And even in this moment, I'm just having this moment of awe and admiration for your bravery and your courage to step out and to teach about, first of all, something that is very uncomfortable. And I am also just having this another moment of holy crap <laughs> because, you know, you were saying how there was this huge shift. There was a transfer of power. And I can't believe that I never really saw again, this parallel to our journey. And it's of course, it's manifested in totally different ways. That's what the beauty of the journey is. But the way that you just described it, like there came a time, of course, you're in service to your clients, you're it's all about guidance, you're working with these beings, the angels, the fairy beings, and receiving guidance for yourself and others and sharing that. And then there is this moment where there's this like, 
transfer of power and there's this shift that happens where you're you were really invited to claim your own sovereignty of like what is my knowing what is my truth and then to then be that and what you said about the embodiment piece because why I'm just having this holy cow moment is because I'm like that has actually been my journey to a T with working with the fairies and teaching about the fairies. I also, you know, began my early journey and I was of course receiving guidance from the fairy realm and uh would also help other people either I would share that guidance or help other people connect to that guidance for themselves but then at some point really within the last 5 years this whole total shift I've gone through this transfiguration, I'm going to call it a transfiguration where there was a transfer of power, where it was about now me owning and being sovereign. Like, I don't have to get guidance from fairy. I am freaking fairy. I am fairy. I am fairy. So I am my own guidance. And there were a couple of defining moments. I could tell when I was, (laughs) I got a couple at some point, I got a couple emails from people, especially around the time when I shut down Fairy Light. But even prior to that, I would get emails randomly from people or somebody would say to me, I, I would share that I was doing something, you know, making some pivot, making some change. In the case where I was just talking about, I was closing Fairy Light, which was a mystery school and, and my previous incarnation of my business. But in other times I would make other decisions and somebody would almost always, it would never fail. Somebody would say to me or send me an email, have you asked the fairies? Is that what they want? And it used to irritate me to no end. And I couldn't figure out why until this moment it hit me. And it's like, well, first of all, I am fairy and I'm not going to give my power away. It's never been my thing in general, to give my power away to spirit guides or fairy or any being. The way that I work with them is I partner with them as allies. And I I always have, but there was this moment where it was so anchored within me that it was like, no, I don't need to <laughs> ask them if I have a feeling in my body about something, I'm going to act from that feeling. And this was such a beautiful and extraordinary and powerful moment for me of claiming this sovereignty and being my own channel, being my own source, being my own authority. That's the word I was looking for. And I just feel this is such an important topic because there's so many people out there that I can't tell you how many times I've heard, oh, I, I'll get back to you. I have to ask my spirit guides. And it's like, no, why are we setting ourselves up as disempowered victims in our relationship with spirit, which is supposed to be, or there's a, it's not supposed to be anything, but there's an invitation for a relationship with spirit to actually enrich and, and amplify and and expand us into our potentiality, not to um, somehow diminish or dumb us down into some missive or subservient person in this relationship. So I cannot believe the way that you're speaking to this in this moment that I've never seen the parallel between our journeys. I've had the exact same 
feeling and undergone like that same transformation in relationship to working with spirit, working with fairy, where that shift of power, and of course, was not them (laughs) taking power. It was us as humans, like we give it away, right? We, we, We give it away. So thank you so much for sharing that. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love the parallels of our journey. And I love that we've had so many conversations over these years. And uh, we've never talked about that. It's it's just really beautiful to that we're exploring. Diamira and I are having our own revelations as we're sharing right now. <laughs> so we're coming to our time because we have gotten obviously just so deep down one of our Courtney and Diamira rabbit holes. <laughs> and it's been amazing. So I want to briefly touch on really quickly. I think we have about 10 minutes. Does that, is that about right? Yeah, Courtney? that's perfect. Yes. Uh, okay. So I want to briefly touch on the tree thing because I feel like it's a, it's a full circle experience. So the other day I was walking in my neighborhood and down a street, I mean, there's like five houses on the street because we live pretty much in the mountains in the forest. But one of the neighbors was having quite a few trees cut down. And as I walked by, I saw this and I felt shock. I felt confusion. On one hand, I was aware that we had just recently had a windstorm. I did know that a couple of trees were down, but the amount that they were cutting down was concerning for me. And also, you know, I'm aware of boundaries and property and all of this. And so, you know, this is a very nuanced conversation, but the as I walked by, I could feel the tree spirits and I could just feel the tree spirits and I could feel the the overarching deva of that particular plot of that, that forest patch. And I, you know, I was so overcome with these emotions that I was having a hard time getting clarity on what I should do, if I should do something. And I, I just couldn't, figure anything out. So in this moment, I voxed Courtney and I shared with her in real time this conflict that I was having. And it was multi-layered, the conflict. Part of it was because obviously I was emotional and I, you know, we're never going to get a clear plan of action from a really overwhelmed or emotional space. And of course, the emotion is absolutely perfect. It's meant to be felt. It's just, we're not necessarily really always meant to take action from that place. And then I had also brought in the whole idea that, but sometimes it is that anger, it is that gush of emotion that does finally get us to take action in whatever, you know, area of our life there is. And so there was that piece that I was struggling with, but then there was also the piece of do I intervene in any way? And by intervening, I'm not talking about stopping again this what was happening. This is this person's property. I respect that very much. And so it wasn't about that, but intervene in that do I work with the tree spirits to help them in some way? transition, to shift into their next experience, this, that, and the other. And so I was, again, awash with all of these emotions. And also on my way back, I decided to stop and ask 
the man who was doing the cutting of the trees. And I asked him like, hey, are these trees, you know, are they diseased? I know that we have a couple of tree diseases around here. And he was like, um, I don't know. I think a couple of them were dying, he said, but I think she just didn't want trees in her front yard. So, or she didn't want so many trees in her front yard. He said, you know, I can understand it. Trees are kind of a pain in the butt for me too, in my front yard. And, you know, he went on, he was a jolly fellow. He was a really nice man. And yet after receiving that information, I walked away and I just felt this overwhelming sense of despair. Number one, I was upset because I'm thinking, oh, gosh, like, is this really the consciousness of humanity? Just, you know, not really having that connection or relationship to even be able to respect that these are beings. Um, that was one. And two, you know, his comment about, well, trees are a pain in the butt. I don't really want them in my front yard. And I had this reaction like, well, you know, <laughs> ever think maybe you're a pain in the butt and the trees don't want you there either. But so I had this moment, but most of all, I was upset with myself because I didn't even say anything to him. So Anyways, I I brought this up to Courtney and I just was so curious about what her perspective was on this. And then what did you say to me? Yeah, well, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember exactly what I said, but at the same time, let, let me see, I think I can access it. Because at the same time that I was listening to your message, dear Mira, I was having an experience with trees in Florida. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the great. hurricane. Right. Yes, the hurricane. Exactly. Yes. So I had arrived in Florida and it was a few months after Hurricane Ian and I was bracing myself for seeing the devastation and what, you know, the destruction and there were definitely so many trees down and signs down and, you know, damages to businesses and roofs and all, all, you name it. And I was in an area where the hurricane had hit pretty hard. And at first I was feeling a deep sadness, this really deep sadness, just devastation, despair. And then something shifted in me within the next 24 hours. And I started saying, wait a minute. 95 to 98% of everything is still standing. Like even with the trees down, the buildings are still standing, trees are still standing. And I, I thought, what if I shift my perspective to what is still standing? And then I could also feel from the land that the land was okay. The, the trees were okay. It was a hurricane. It was destructive. But I was putting my own human emotions on it and making it sad and full of despair. But the trees were like, eh, it's okay. It's just part of life. It's the cycle of life, right? Sometimes we lose some trees and then some new ones are, are birthed. And then pretty soon after that, I even went to a park in Florida where they had done a prescribed fire to a portion of the forest you know, for the healing purposes of rejuvenating the land and, and regenerating new new growth. And I just, it was, I was messaging with Diamira on Vox <laughs> as I was looking at this forest. And yeah, and so it was this messaging back and forth of when do we intervene and when do we not? And I was feeling like for you, Diamira, you know, maybe, maybe you just didn't need an intervention in that moment or, you know, so yeah. I'll, I'll toss it back to you. <laughs> yeah. So there was some time that passed between 
me sharing this and then Courtney getting back to me with what her thoughts and feelings and, you know, just perspective was on it, which was actually a perfect thing because in that time, I actually took it upon myself. I sat down in my meditation room and I went into, first of all, all the feelings that I was feeling around the sadness and the anger and the despair and the being mad at myself that I didn't even just like drop a little seed for the guy, not to change his mind, but just even just drop that seed of who knows if, you know, like, hey, oh, maybe the trees are meant to be there or talking in respect to his own front yard, not in the yard that was a job he was doing, but just to kind of drop a seed, but I didn't say anything. I had clammed up. And so I had to go through some forgiveness of myself for that. And after I went through all of this, I was able to get enough clear mindedness where I was able to go into a journey. I did a journey where I journeyed in uh, to the spirit of the great grandfather Oak that is on my land here. And he took me to that land we like a bird's eye view and i descended down to that land and i saw the tree spirits mulling about and milling about rather and as i sat there with them what struck me is a few things first of all what was most important was coming back to my own power and coming back to my own centeredness and not acting from a place of fear, not acting from a place of uh, savior complex, which I realized that I was exhibiting a little bit of. Also self-worth, like, oh, I have these gifts and abilities to be able to communicate with the spirits of nature. Shouldn't I be using these gifts in service to help them? And it was all like, just stop, just stop and pause. Because for me and this, everybody will have to come to their own, obviously, decision if you ever have this situation that you find yourself in. But for me, in that moment, what was most important to not come from a place of burden, like I was burdened and so I was acting from that place, not come from a place of savior complex, not come from a place of I should or I have to to prove my worth, not coming from a place of woundedness or pity. That was like another huge piece of this. And I've gotten aspects of this message over and over again. When the rainforests were burning in, in South America, I was I was devastated in my heart. And yet, again, I just keep getting that same confirmation over and over to return to the centeredness and sure, if there isn't an inspired action that arises from that deep centered stillness, then absolutely move in that direction. But for me, I saw that I was coming from these old energies, these old paradigms of savior complex and proving my own worth to the spirit world, to myself. That was like a huge breakthrough for me. And so in that moment, all I did was sent my gratitude, my deep gratitude for the beings, the, the tree beings, for the trees in general as a greater community in this planet. And then for this this realization that their death actually brought me to. And so that is, I think, how we can complete this beautiful episode is on this this note of gratitude. And so with that, I will say I am so deeply grateful for you coming on and playing and sharing and splashing in this 
magical multi-dimensional conversation with me and I would love for you to just share with everyone where they can find you and how they can connect with you oh my gosh thank you so much for having me this conversation has been so deeply nourishing and not to mention fun <laughs> and oh in traditional fairy magic style we have woven together so many beautiful um, almost like different aspects of nature, the sexual aspect, the aspect, I love what you were sharing about the trees of not coming from the savior complex, but really like just really deeply tuning in with, with the land and, and, and really truly listening to our soul. So I just want to say thank you, Diamira, for having me. Thank you for uh, those listening. And I hope you've enjoyed it. And you can find me at my website, CourtneyFayLong.com. So it's Courtney with a C. And then Faye is F-A-E. I'll just spell it all out real quickly. It's C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y-F-A-E. And then L-O-N-G. CourtneyFayLong.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook also as Courtney Faylong. Thank you so much, sister. And of course, we will link to Courtney's all her links and all her amazingness in the show notes, which you can, you'll be able to find her there. Thank you so much. I love you so much. Thank you for being here and thank all of you for listening. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And I love you so much too. 